See, those that missed it on Friday, you missed it on Friday. Man, we got such powerful words and prayer on, on Friday. Oh, Lord. Lord, everybody that came to pray, God gave them something to say. It was woo! 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 I think, it, I think our deacon Diana might have wanted to shout right then, but she, had, she gave her testimony and she prayed for the... Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Such a wonderful time because we, I, I, I guaranteed everybody that came, came with an anticipation. We have been fasting for seven weeks. And now at the end of that fasting, we are going to pray and seek God. How can you not know God is going to do something? How can you not know he's going to show up? How can you not expect something miraculous to happen from the inside out? So, so that's where we are today. That's where we are today. Because, you know, those that made it through the fast, I, I want you to know it's not over. The fast didn't end on Pentecost Sunday by mistake. That, that was no mistake. There's a plan here. So I want to just give you a quick word. I want to give you a quick word because this is something we got to see here. So, Father, as we turn our attention to what you said in your word, God, I would, that you give us insight, wisdom, revelation, understanding, oh, God. Lord, put the pieces together so that we hear what you're saying. Your word declared that the, those that have ears, let them hear. So I pray that we all have ears this morning, oh God, that we are able to hear what you have to say, Lord God, that we can take it in, that it will change us, move us, shape us, Lord God, so that we will know your will for our lives. Lord, we know we need the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what that means. Bless us today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Pentecost Sunday, especially among charismatic Pentecostals, that when you think, think, talk about the Holy Spirit, we always go straight for the supernatural, the gifts, the manifestations, and all of those things, and forgot about the integral part that the Holy Spirit actually plays in all of our salvation. It's not just... It's not just speaking in tongues and healings and prophecies. That's not all the Holy Spirit does. So if we get the first part right, then the last part will make a little bit more sense. So this is usually the corner scripture, Acts 1, verses 6 through 8. This is the last time that Jesus met with his disciples before his ascension and then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
This is the day that the church was empowered to be the church. This was the day that the church was empowered to carry the message of the gospel in an effective way so that lives would be changed. This was the day that the church finally put all the pieces together of understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and it is through him that we are saved. But this is not the first time Jesus spoke about the spirit. It's going to make sense in a minute. So turn to John 3. Everybody knows John chapter 3. The first verse says, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So even the Pharisees, as we discussed in Bible study, that you had Pharisees that recognized that something special was happening with Jesus. But because of the political and social and cultural pressures, they would not come out right and say, yes, Lord, we believe you. But you had Nicodemus that recognized there's something special about this man, Jesus. There's something special about him. But when he came to him, said, I don't, I don't understand this. What is it about you? And Jesus said to him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you were born again. And Nicodemus said, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. I call this the Nicodemus crisis. I preached on that a while ago. This is the Nicodemus crisis where you have a spiritual situation that you're trying to examine through natural eyes. You are never going to understand the spiritual side of the thing if you're just looking at it from the natural stance. So Jesus goes through and explains to him about entering the kingdom. And he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So as Je after Jesus continued to explain to the brother, because it's like, you're you a leader, a teacher, and you don't know that? There was something amiss in your education. You went to the wrong seminary. <laughs> you had the wrong professor of theology. <laughs> but then the verse that we all know, John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God, this is the verse that we don't know, but we should. For Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, because whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. There's no need for God to send his son to say, you're condemned. You're going to hell. It's like, that was already going to happen. There's no need to make an announcement. For all those that think that's how you convince people to be saved, telling them, you're going to hell. It's like, well, that's a fact. No need to yell it at them. You need to tell them how to be saved, not how you're going to hell. <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus. But before we get caught in the supernatural, miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, we need to remember that we have been saved, we have been commissioned, 
and we have been empowered. See, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we need to start from the beginning. See, because when you want to jump right into the speaking in tongues and the power and the knocking folk out, you, you miss some stuff. And that's how we end up in trouble with all of these miracle working prophet, apostle, pastor, bishops. That's how we get in trouble because all they went was straight to the, you shall receive power. And forgot that you have to be born of the water and the spirit. So when we want to talk about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, let's make sure that the first parts are in place. Then once those things are solidly in place, now we can talk about being empowered to work. First part is saved. Don't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't talk about being used by the Holy Spirit if you have not been saved. Pastor, of course. <laughs> Save me, you repented from your sins. You repented from your sins. Not you went to church and your mama told you to say these words. Not because you got caught up one day because the preacher was saying something and it's like, whoo, ah, whoo, everybody else going, I better go too. Not because the person brought you to church kept giving you the elbow. They talking to you. They talking to you. They talking to you. So you're like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, Jesus saved me. You're happy now? You stop poking me? Do I have to come next Sunday? Repented of your sins, accepted Jesus as Lord, not just your Savior. When we're talking about being able to be empowered to do what God told you to do, we must first understand that we accept him as our Lord, not just our Savior. He didn't just forgive me of my sins, but he actually has control of my life. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved. And, and that's not something that can be explained to you theologically, because when you said the words and you say, Lord, come into my life, there's something that changes on the inside that no one can't fully explain to you. It doesn't necessarily make sense in your mind, but it's something that happens within your heart that when you said, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to be different. Wash me in your blood. Accept me in your kingdom. Something changes on the inside that cannot be defined just by what other people say. That has to happen first. I don't care about how many years you taught Sunday school. <laughs> uh, I'm not today. Another day. We'll pick up on that. You must be baptized in his name. An outward declaration of an inner confession. See, because if you go into a church that believe what the Bible says, then being baptized after you've gotten saved is part of what we one of the ordinances that the Lord has given us to do. Now, if you refuse to be baptized, uh oh. Why? I mean, I know some of you are like, what? Well, there's some people who say, yeah, I'm saved, but I don't know about being baptized. It's like you better go back and talk to Jesus again. I don't think the first conversation went well. When we're talking about being 
baptized in the Holy Spirit, understanding when you are saved that you're truly just a babe. You don't really know much. Your spiritual mind, your spiritual heart is not fully developed. You are dependent on your elders to teach you, to help you, to guide you. If you think that you just got saved last week and you're ready to be the pastor, you are wrong. <laughs> if you just got saved a month ago, no, you are not ready to be a deacon. You're not ready to take on that responsibility you just got saved last month. So you understand this before you're talking about jumping into, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so I can speak in tongues and heal folk and cast out demons. Make sure you saved first. And if you just got saved, you know, you have a limited capacity for understanding. So when the elders tell you that you need to baptize them in the Holy Spirit, you say, yes, Lord. I don't know what that is, but they said I need it. I need it. Yes, yes, yes. What what it mean to be? I don't know, but there's something they told me I need. I believe Jesus. I've asked him to wash me in his blood. I know that God raised him from the dead. I know that I am saved according to what the word says. And now somebody told me I need the Holy Ghost to take over my life. I don't know who this Holy Ghost is, but I need him. And that's why in the, in the more modern times, they stop saying ghost and start saying spirit because people equate it ghost with a disembodied a human spirit. Say, so, oh, what? A ghost? No, I don't want no ghost. But back in the day, we knew what it meant. When we said Holy Ghost, we knew, we knew what that meant. I know it's not, we ain't back in the day no more. I get it. But just allow me to say Holy Ghost sometimes. See, as as babes, you're also expected to grow. If you're 15 years old, still acting like you're five, that ain't cute. (laughs) We're expected to develop and to take on responsibilities. Because I got saved as a babe, but I'm supposed to be growing from there. I'm not going to be sitting around making the same mistakes I did my entire salvation. We have to get to a place where we start to contribute to the family. Once you get to be a certain age, you get chores. Oh, Lord. I, I know of some families where, where the, the parents is still making up the beds for like 15, 16, 18, 20-year-olds. I'm like, what? What? I don't even know if my mother ever came in my room after I was 12. She might have looked in there, but I know most certainly she didn't make my bed, does <laughs> Mother Allen wasn't making nobody's bed. You make your own bed and wash the dishes and mop the kitchen floor before I get home. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So these spiritual babes have to grow up. And when you grow up, then you're given the responsibilities in the family. The responsibilities in the family we find in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 18. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. That's Thomas. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, we were saved to serve. I mentioned this on Friday night. We were saved to serve. Understand that when we're talking about Pentecost and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that was a purpose behind the baptism. is so that we would be empowered to go and fulfill the commission. We did not get, we are not seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can have some kind of in-church experience and make us seem like we're holier than somebody else. That, that speaking in other tongues as the Spirit give utterance is supposed to be an intercession glorifying God. It is the Spirit of God praying effectively through you, not just so you can sound cute or holy or righteous or whatever. So when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're saying, God, I'm seeking the empowerment. I'm seeking what I need in order to be a witness because you told me go and make. Those are both action words. Go and make. That means there's something that you actually have to do. Salvation is not a spectator sport. When you got saved, you're supposed to be part of something. If the only thing that you do is come to church, waiting for your favorite uh, music person to sing, waiting for them to sing your favorite song, because they was your favorite person until they didn't sing the song that you liked. Oh, Lord Jesus. And, and don't let that, 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 that keyboardist get them dreads all over the place because it's like, we know he ain't holy with them dreads and that beard. We know, we know there's something wrong with him. We better get the oil. We better talk to the pastor because something, how he let that boy with them dreads and that beard on his face. What's wrong with him? Because the understanding is that a, a old black bald guy in a suit is not going to get the same audience as the young guy with the dreads and the beard. So when we talk about go and make disciples, well, the dude with the dread need to be made a disciple too. If the only people that's left that's getting saved is old black guys, it's like we ain't going to last long. Somebody going to have to put on some sneakers and grow some dreads and go out there and make some disciples. <laughs> and what we're talking about is that what we are doing as part of the family is making disciple, willing followers of Jesus Christ. You become a disciple because you committed to a master. You don't become a disciple because somebody tried to force you to. We are supposed to go and make disciples, not clones. We're supposed to go and make those that are committed to Jesus, not us or our church. I know that's why I don't get a lot of likes. Because this, 
You got, you got to stop and think about this because if we're just trying to get people to be committed to our church, our tradition, our way of doing things, then where does Jesus fit in that? We've got to get people to commit to Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. You may love your pastor. Great. Glad you do. But he ain't Jesus. And being committed to him ain't going to get nobody in heaven. I'm just telling you, if you thought, what? <laughs> you, what? All that big enough to pass that I'm doing ain't getting me nothing? I actually gave him likes on Facebook and YouTube and stuff and nothing? Uh, okay. Well, if your pastor was just waiting for you to give them likes, you got the wrong pastor anyway. Now, I ain't saying don't give me a like. Give me a like if you want to. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. That's the way they do it, right? Like and subscribe. <laughs> That's what. But, but that ain't going to save you, though. I just want you to know that ain't going to. Being a disciple of me is not going to save you. That's not going to be it. And I pray with all of my heart that as I'm teaching you to be disciples, I'm teaching you to be disciples of Jesus Christ, not of me. And, and you're supposed to make disciples from everywhere, not just the ones that look like you. Uh-oh. The, the, yeah, the disciples are supposed to come from everywhere. So the guy at the gas station, the woman at the grocery store, the neighbor on your left and the one across the street, even if they don't look like you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The commitment that's made is made to the Father, to the Son, and the Spirit. We submit to the Father, to the Son, and to the Spirit. So when we're talking about we are being baptized in their name, that means that old self is dying, and the person that rises is the person that is submitted to the Father, to the Son, and to the Spirit. You see, there was a lot of work before we got to Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And teaching them everything that I have commanded you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we're supposed to be teaching what Jesus said and what he did. We've got to take the time to learn it ourselves before we can actually tell someone else what Jesus said and what he did. So if you haven't taken, stopped and taken the time to think about what Jesus said and what Jesus did, then it's running into, I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. But you don't know nothing about Jesus? It, no. No. Now, trust me, I've seen people who were saved and baptized on the same day. On the same day. The person had no idea about the Holy Spirit, but their heart was open to receive whatever God wanted to give them. And that person said the sinner's prayer, and five minutes later, they were speaking in tongues. They had to be explained what just happened to them. Ooh, Lord, that's a person who God had been working on and been working on and been working on and been working on. So when they said yes, they said yes.
Now, that whole be, making disciples in this hostile world, that ain't easy. <laughs> making disciples of Jesus Christ when all of your flesh gets in the way, that's not easy. Making disciples when the devil is trying everything he can to keep you distracted and off track, that's not easy. But that's why he didn't leave us to ourselves. That's why he gave us the baptism in the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to be the witness. Now, now we're going to finish with this point really quick now. Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? Because, you know, Paul was a Holy Ghost kind of man. <laughs> John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Okay. So there's some that say, especially in our modern times, is that, okay, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then that's it. But when you read the Bible, you see that there's something that happened after they were saved. No, Pastor, it said it right there. They were already saved. They were already disciples. They had received the understanding that they needed to repent and believe in Jesus, but that was as far as it went. And Paul was like, that's not enough, brothers. That's not enough. That was the first thing you understood. But now you need something more. Now you need something more. Now we get to the part where Jesus told them, look here, you're going to have to live through this until the Father decides it's time for it to end. It's not for you to know when this thing is going to be over. It's not for you to decide when the Father is going to complete his plan. It's not for you to determine when God is going to make things right. It's not for you to determine when you're going to stop suffering and going through. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be able to die to yourself. You will be able to give up your flesh. You will be able to go through so that the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and every corner of the world, you will go and tell people who I am. See, look, look, look here. The disciples already knew Jesus. They were already part of the kingdom because the Lord had brought them in. But it wasn't until they met the resurrected Christ and baptized in the Holy Spirit that they were actually able to fulfill their mission. 
So there's some of us who have met the risen Christ or at least know about the risen Christ, but have you actually had a personal encounter with the living Christ? Now, he might not have necessarily knocked you off a horse, but when you was on your knees, when you was at the altar, when you were standing in his presence, did there come a time where you realized that Jesus actually is alive? Not just something you heard in Sunday school, not just something that happened one day, something you told somebody about, but for yourself, you realize that this son of the living God is still alive. He might have ascended in heaven, but I feel his presence right here. I hear his voice right here. I know he's with me right here. That's the experience I'm talking about, that you know that Christ did not stay in the grave, but that same Jesus who died on the cross rose on the third day, and that same Jesus is still alive. Did you have that experience? See, because once you've met the risen Savior, then that means, okay, okay, I know something else. There's, there's something more going on. My salvation is not just some mental thing. My salvation is not just a cultural or social thing. There is something supernatural about this relationship that I have with Jesus. There's something supernatural about what God is doing in my heart, in my mind, and in my life. There's something supernatural that's going on that's beyond what I can think beyond what I can feel beyond what I can understand there's a God at work in my life when you've had that experience now you start talking about when someone says have you received since you believed then it's like what else is there because if there's something more I want some of that too if God is pouring out his spirit then pour it out on me pour it out on me You're no longer comfortable just sitting around talking about you saved. There's something in you that says, I've got something I've got to do. See, because when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's where there's a spiritual awakening. See, your talker becomes a preacher. <laughs> the prayer becomes a warrior. The musician becomes a minister. Ah, God, you're no longer just doing the things that you do because you got the ability to do it. But there's a supernatural element that comes upon the things that you do. So you're no longer operating in your flesh, in yourself, and the way that you do things. But the God of the universe has taken hold of your lips, of your hand, of your voice, of your mind, and he is using you as his instrument to do what he wants to do there's a lot of good preachers out there that just know how to talk but when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've learned how to surrender yourself, then it's no longer you talking no more Then it's just God having his way saying what he's got to say Woo! how many good musicians out there that are technically perfect can hit every note, every key, know every, know all the keys, know how to play in all the keys. <laughs> can catch it whenever they need. They can start a song and finish the song. They just need to hear the first few notes and then they can play the rest of the song. But that don't make you a minister. That just makes you a good musician. The minister is that when they get behind whatever instrument God given them and they allow the Holy Spirit to take over the spirit of the room changes. 
those that's listening in the music, inside their hearts start to change. Something start going on on the inside. They start to shake and start to move. They can't stay in their seats because now that musician has become a minister. That person is now serving God's people with their talent, with their ability, making a difference. And that's not something you can fake because either God is in it or he's not. When that song leader gets up there, they made me be turkeys perfect and know how to hit every note. But when the Holy Ghost hit them, ah, you see people starting to weep and to cry and to cry out to the Lord and call out to God because God is doing something through that person's talent. This, this is why we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we wait in his presence until God does what he does because we want the Lord to empower our work. We don't want our work to be done just in our own strength because if I get too tired, if I get too hungry, if I get too weak, if I get too frustrated, then my work becomes paralyzed. It becomes frustrated. But when the Holy Ghost is empowering the work that I do, I can be feeling like I'm going to fall on my face. But once I stand up and do what God say to do, all of that stuff falls behind I could tell you there's been days, and Pastor did tell you, there's been days I come in here, my back was hurting, my leg was hurting, my hip was hurting, my head was hurting, everything was hurting. But when it was time to do what God said to do, all of the hurt went to the back, not because of me, but because of the power of the Holy Ghost. See, some of us have realized that the only way that we are successful in our, in our walk with the Lord is because that walk is empowered by the Holy Ghost. If you've been saved for a little while and we were talking about it in Sunday school, there's some stuff that you like that you just like it. You just like it. And the devil going to keep putting it in front of you. You're going to keep thinking about it. You're going to keep trying to do it until you allow your walk to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. So no matter how much I like it, I could depend on the Spirit of God to walk me right past it. I might have to run past that cookie aisle in us supermarket but the power of the Holy Ghost will get me past the cookie aisle see some of us don't believe you can't I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop but you got to remember this that once you have experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that you have surrendered your tongue to the Holy Spirit that becomes your benchmark because if you can re release this thing this little thing that from the time you was two had been terrorizing everybody. If you could release that, then you could release anything. 
If you're saying that the power of God can work through you and actually have you speak words that you did not learn, if you could do that, then when it's time to walk past the cookie aisle, you can walk past the cookie aisle. When it's time to turn down that plate because God said it's time for you to fast, you could turn down that plate. See, because, you know, you know, if you didn't realize that the turning down the plate the intensity of that act is only for about five minutes. you got to survive the five minutes. The Holy Spirit will help you survive the five minutes. See, somebody know what I'm talking about. I see the, I see the plate of cookies. I'm thinking about the plate of cookies. It's all up in my mind. They're my favorite cookies. I'm remembering the taste of the cookies. I know I want another cookie, but if you turn away that uh, that stress that thing to pull you back only lasts for about five minutes because after that first five minutes is gone then it starts to wane then it starts to wane and then you don't feel like i have to shut up you don't feel like i have to ah, God. you don't feel like i have that is the work of the Holy Spirit within us, that he can get you through that five minutes and break that moment of desire, and you can walk forward from there doing what God told you to do. But your walk has got to depend on the Holy Ghost. Give him the five minutes. Give him the five minutes. And I'm, I'm going to finish with this. Your will has to depend on the Holy Ghost. Because some of us is like, I don't have no will. Nope, when I want it, I'm just going for it. I can't help myself if I wanted to help myself. And I don't even want to help myself. I don't want to. I just want what I want. And I want to have what I want when I want to have it. I don't care. I know it's wrong, but God forgive me. God forgive me. God knows my heart. But when you start to depend on the Holy Spirit to work in your life, then you know that God works in you to will and to do. So when you actually started to surrender and understand who God actually is in your life, then what you do at that point is that, God, you need to change my will. So get up in my mind. Get up in my heart. Get up in my spirit. And whatever is keeping me tied to this thing that's contrary to you and contrary to your word, God, I'm saying break it. I'm giving you permission. I'm opening my heart. I'm setting myself before you. God, work it. Work it. Work it, work it, work it. Change my mind, change my mind, change my heart, change my heart so that my will will conform to your will. But that's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. You thought it's because so you could be a spiritual wonder. So you can see strong and mighty. But it's so that we can be empowered to complete the commission that we were saved for. See, because if you were saved, there's something God wants you to do. But you can't do it fully and effectively without the baptism in the Holy Spirit.
can't. You can't. You can't. Because when you're too tired, too frustrated, when people try to steal your songs, you don't want to pay you the money that they owe you, get the Holy Ghost say, God, hold me. When God has put something on your heart, and you know it is clear as day what God is saying to you. But it seems like nobody around you is, is hearing you. It's like, y'all don't see this. Y'all don't see this. I mean, like, for real, y'all don't see this. If the Holy Spirit don't help you at that moment, then you can start doubting what God told you to do. You can get frustrated and tired and just say, forget it. I don't care. But it's at that moment. That's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit matters. Because we allow him to take over. So now he's controlling my mind, my heart, and my actions. See, when the Lord takes over, what God has done on the inside starts to become manifest on the outside. That's what we want. That's why we fasted for seven weeks. That's why we prayed on Friday night. That's why we came to church on Sunday. Because we want God, what you've done on the inside, to be manifest on the outside. Not my will, Lord. It's your will be done. Bow your hands with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.